The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of The Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is an interview with one of our favorite artists here at Brooklyn Vegan, Walter Schreifels. If you're unfamiliar, Walter fronts the band's Quicksand and Rival Schools, and he also plays in Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, and more. And if you listen to any type of punk, emo, hardcore, post-hardcore, etc., etc., from the past, say, 20, maybe 30 years even, there is a very, very high chance that at least one of Walter's bands has left a big impact on the bands that you listen to. Pretty much at every turn of those styles of music, Walter has made something that's acted as a predecessor. And he continues to do great stuff today. Uh, One of the big reasons we have this conversation is that Rival Schools just reissued their 2001 debut album, United by Fate, and they're gearing up for reunion shows in 2023. So we talk a lot about Rival Schools and that record in particular throughout this conversation. But we also touch on just about all of Walter's bands and a lot of other cool stuff comes up too. It was a really fun chat. And here it is. Except I binge watched the show, The Boys. Have you heard about that show? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not my thing, like um, like superhero stuff, but, um, but uh, it got recommended to me by so many people. So that was kind of fun to just freaking watch TV. Two and a half. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been home for like a day from tour, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. How was tour? tour was super fun like we did um uh like everyone just got along really great and it's like the first day it's like i didn't even know that we were doing six weeks like i thought it was five weeks which was a fucking lot but it was actually six weeks and then it was like oh my god what have i done this is just too long um but the time went very fast and the shows were all great we didn't have any like bum shows it was like really cool playing with uh clutch and helmet because we were just like winning i mean we had a good amount of people in the room always but it was like every other person we were like winning them over and um and then our own shows were amazing i didn't really know what to expect but it was like just really really cool uh mixed people and you know we just it's like touring for like a while like that length of time just makes the band better and gets everybody like more cohesive and um you just get better. You know, I kind of forgot about that. So I, I feel like it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, touring was gone for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this tour was this with John LaMacchia, right? Cause you had Steven Brodsky previously, right? Is Steven that... did half the tour. Steven okay. did, did half the tour. He had already, um, when we got the offer to do this, the, the support of clutch, we um he had already had this european trip booked with caven so it wasn't really like something that he could cancel um so we got john lamacchia from uh from candiria who's a friend and um he came in seamlessly you know i mean i knew there'd be like a change of energy they're both great guys um and and that that is that their energy it 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 was different, but it was it was just really awesome and fun, and uh, and he really kind of fit in very seamlessly, and uh, and you know we went from like 
I remember the last week with Steve just like not wanting to talk about the fact that he was leaving. So I said, I don't want any sentimentality or sadness until we have to deal with it at the end, which was LA, which was, was awesome. Um, uh, when John came in, he just kind of like, we're like, okay, but right away it was, it was just great. When did you and Steve first meet? Do you go back with cave in or? Yes. Uh, and I think we're, we're going to be talking about like rival schools, but I yeah. do remember playing with rival schools in Boston and, uh, and meeting Steve. And I guess that would have been in like, uh, you know, early two thousands or late nineties probably. And, uh, and then, you know, rival schools was very like I used to live on 11th Street between A and B. And so Brownies was like just my local, really. So I would go to Brownies all the time and see shows. And uh, and I remember seeing Cave in at Brownies at that time um, and uh, just being really knocked out by them. And uh, and uh, they did a cover of uh, Days to Confuse that was just so goddamn good. I just couldn't. And was no one had told me that that's what they do. So they started playing Days Confused, like, oh yeah, that's cute. And they just did the whole goddamn song. And uh, yeah, they they made an impression on me. So I've known Steve throughout the years, you know. And then he moved to Brooklyn, so I would see him out, like, um, and uh, you know, we get coffee every once in a while or something like that. So when when uh, when we needed another guitar player, he was definitely on the on the short list of people that I thought would be good. That you know that I, it's a lot of hanging. You know what I mean. So you want to be with someone that you feel is is a good person to like, especially at this point. I just don't. Even if someone's really good, I I kind of would almost err on someone being like a personality that you, that I enjoy over like some technical skill and. Um, Whereas Steve just kind of has the has the whole package, which was which was great for sure. I'm bummed I didn't get to see you guys with Steve, but I feel like when I heard it was happening, I was like, "Oh, that's perfect." I mean, mm. I feel like his style fits right in, and like, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, and I the last time I saw you it was still and it was a three piece. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it must be cool to be a four piece again. It's nice. I mean, the, doing the three piece thing, I felt like. Um, just yeah very engaged like at every single i mean i'm always like that but at least i have some like time to like chill when there's a second guitar player especially with the solos because like i i love guitar solos and i can get into it and i've done some um especially in the last two records uh but uh playing them i just i it's always fucking stressful i just never know what my fingers are going to do so like to not have that kind of concern, you know, it is really good. And just knowing that Steve can like really hold the audience's uh, interest without anyone necessarily having to give a shit about like what his like background is or anything. He's just a great performer. And John absolutely was the same, you know, because you can't expect people to be like, and also someone could have a cool resume and still not rock you, you know, in, in, in different contexts. So uh it, it was very uh i did appreciate the the high wire aspect of being a three piece and like the kind of immediacy of like being able to twist and turn it in different directions but um but i think especially with this album we wanted to present all our material in a way that's you know a little bit more authentic to the record awesome well like you said we're going to talk about rival schools mm -hmm. uh, so yeah i mean United by Fate reissue on Run for Cover. Uh, tell us a little bit about like how it came together. How did Run for Cover get involved? 
how did you kind of go about like, you know, digging up the bonus tracks and deciding what would make it? And mm -hmm. like um, well, the, the beginnings of it, I think, you know, the really cool thing about run for cover is they've really, um, I think they're really clued into like, you know, we toured with Hostagecom, which was a band that uh, Tom from uh, from Run For Cover was in. And so we were friends um, and uh, we toured with them, I think, on Pedals, uh, which was our second album, which was like 10 years apart from uh, from from United By Fate. So I think, you know, we were just on their radar and I guess Tom probably reached out. I, I don't know if he reached out to me directly or was it to Sam? Um, about doing a reissue for for this kind of anniversary, and you know, it just seemed like a perfect fit. And and the fact that you know, Run for Cover is just a great label, and I think that they kind of have, uh, I think they're well positioned to kind of give context to this record in, in in terms of like, you know, maybe people that it's influenced, maybe people it, it, that might be more likely to be into it, you know, that maybe haven't heard of it. And, um, and, uh, so that, that made a lot of sense to me, uh, listening to the, you know, the, the packaging was, uh, you know, I was more, I didn't like really spearhead any of that stuff, but I was just kind of taking it in. I, I think Sam, the, our drummer was really, uh, you know, kind of QB the whole, whole thing. And, uh, but you know, as it, as it kind of would, you know, I'd be approving tracks and, and artwork and stuff like that. It was really nice for me to just like, wow, there's so much like cool stuff here, you know, and in a way it was a very short lived sort of thing, um, or just sporadic our career in a bit, in a way. Um, but to see some of these things that I haven't seen and, and to listen to some of these tracks I hadn't listened to, I was like, crap, you know what I mean? It's a pretty, pretty significant amount of work and, and, uh, and, and, and did some really interesting stuff. So I, I just enjoyed it. I think like any, you know, I had enough distance from it that I think I could appreciate it like a fan, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the things I, I really liked that you said in, I guess the bio for the reissue was you were like, I feel like this record had even more potential than it was kind of given in real time. Mm. Um, can you like talk a little bit more about what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to come off bitter because I'm just like kind of grateful, to be honest, about the fact that it still has this sort of resonance, you know, that that would get this kind of treatment. And, you know, because that's just kind of an amazing thing. Um, I guess I was more of like on a music business level, you know, like where in the UK, the record company like promoted a single, um, you know, they kind of were excited about it and kind of like uh, pushed it in a kind of main, more mainstream thing. And so it was really cool to have this experience, especially United Kingdom and by extension, Europe and, and, uh, Australia and Japan even where, you know, uh, it's just sort of like was beyond my scope of, you know, I'm kind of, uh, in this sort of, if you know, you know, kind of category. And, uh, whereas like with rival schools, it was just popular, you know, and it was just like, you know, like I can kind of tell like who might know who I am for the most part, you know, uh, maybe by what t-shirt they're wearing or how they kind of carry themselves. Like, okay, well this person might be a fan or, or whatever. I, I get that because I'm not so different from them, but uh, I remember when rival schools was happening, just walking around, just like the most random people coming up to being like, Oh mate, you know, 
I saw your video. Your shit's great. You know, and that's my English accent. Um, <laughs> been working on that. Uh, in the United States, we got support and we did so much amazing things in the United States and we worked really, uh, I mean, it's, it's not work like, you know, doing construction on a hot summer day, but we were traveling the country, like touring all the time, but we never really got that kind of like, uh, we never got a single really. So I guess that's a long way of saying like, I think if we had a single in the United States, it might've done, it, it probably would have done better, you know? Um, but it's still kind of amazing to me. Um, like that's not really my main feeling about the whole thing. You know, it's more just like, we kind of, you know, definitely a lot of fits and starts for me personally, because rebel schools is an extension of like my solo deal. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of like, um, I mean, now, now that I'm thinking about it, like at the record label I was on, there was a lot of, you know, kind of corporate shit going on in the background that was like, you know, this company bought them and then some other company bought them. And it wasn't like I was like, you know, you two or anything like that. So I was kind of caught in the, the flotsam and jetsam of this corporate kind of crap. And, um, so I think it, it, it was the first time that I was ever kind of caught up in that a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm not the first and or the last, you know, so I think that's why maybe the United States, it was a little bit different than it was around the world. But, uh, you know, if you make something good and people, um, you know, if you give your best to something and it, and it, and it kind of, uh, has that sort of, uh, you know, earthy or, you know, just real kind of quality to it. Uh, and, and people, uh, continue to discover it or it continues to be meaningful to people. Like ultimately from an artistic point of view, like that's what I really care about. And, and, um, that's how I measure these things. But I think the cool thing about rival schools was that it was actually popular. Like, whereas like really none of my other bands were, to be honest, you know, in any way, anywhere, it's just like always kind of like you know, some sort of like, I hate to say call status, but a lot, a lot of my stuff is that way. Sure. Uh, and yeah, and I mean, that makes sense. And I did when you when I read what you had said about it, like my brain actually went to like, on an artistic level, because I mean, the record is, I guess, 21 years old. Um, and it still sounds great. And like, you know, like, just to be fair, not every record that's 21 years old still sounds great. Yeah, you know, like it's, uh, it's definitely got something I think, like you had even kind of hinted at, like it's like someone could still discover it today. It still makes sense with a lot of music going on today. I think you can hear stuff that's influenced. Um, and I feel like when that's the case, like a record just grows, you know, right? Like when it's when its influence continues to like outlast even the band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's just, I mean, I, I would say that, in a, you know, every record that I'm making, I'm always try to like make it be like, absolutely. Like some things are, are just, I can't figure them out and it can't be perfect. Or like, I just zigged when I should have zagged, but like the effort behind it is a hundred percent to like make something significant and something that like, you know, my fans that have come along this way would be like, okay, maybe not my favorite or maybe my favorite, but it's always, it's not bullshit. You know what I mean? And, um, when you bake that into something, uh, you know, I think you have a better chance of like that kind of phenomenon coming together. Uh, but I mean, it's all just, 
insane. And I just feel so, so you know, like, of course, like I, I, I try my best, but I mean, it's just also a lot of, a lot of good fortune and, and I'm just super grateful to the, you know, whatever the universe for like kind of bringing it around again. Sure. How did you feel when you went back to like, listen to that material again? Uh, yeah, pr- more proud of it, you know, in a sense, because I hadn't listened to it in a while. So I had more of an objective opinion about it. Um, I think the, when it came out and this is not unusual for me, but like, and it doesn't really, it's not a great predictor really either, but, um, you know, I'm more, especially at that time, you know, it's kind of like alluding to like how we were just like my experience with like major labels was like with quicksand, for example, like they wanted us, this band quicksand. And so, and, and at the time in the, in the industry, for example, like they didn't really know it was going to be popular. I don't think so. Like you could, you had a lot of creative freedom and you didn't really have to deal with too much, um, of these kind of stereotypical, like, Oh, they're going to change your sound and make you sell out kind of crap. So, uh, but with rival schools, that was more, I wouldn't say that anyone like oppressed me or, or screwed me in any sort of way. I don't have any of those feelings, but I was way, it was way more like, okay, this is, this record is going to come out. We're going to put it out when it's like right for us. You know what I mean? So we had to do like demos, all this kind of stuff that I just thought like, in a way, I just want to put it on an indie and not even deal with any of this bullshit. But like we stuck with it and there was a lot of people that really believed on us there, especially Rob Stevenson, who was our A&R guy, was like championed us from the beginning. And I'm super grateful to him. Uh, Jeff Fenster was another one. Like the team at Island, like, I don't know, I don't want to give like a, a, a Grammy acceptance speech, but they, they, uh, there were people there that really like pushed for us in, in the context of what was going on at the time. And, um, uh, but you know, it was a little bit more like that. It was more, a, a little bit more through the system. And uh, I think that was just the nature of it, of my deal. Like I said, quicksand came in as a fully formed thing. Whereas I was creating something that was an unknown um, entity within, within a, a, a big fucking corporate thing in a time that was sort of weird for music. Yeah. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that time. Cause I mean, I think, coming out in 2001 is like sort of a crucial factor in this album. I mean, I think uh, like you did shows with like Thursday and I think, did, did you play with like Taking Back Sunday and stuff like um Yeah, we took them out on tour. Like Thursday were coming up. We took them out on national tour. We took uh, Taking Back Sunday out for national tour. So we were kind of like the, the, I mean, we're not that much older, especially the older we get, we're more of the same age, but right, right. they were like the little bros coming up. And, um, and we were doing music that still sort of made sense with those guys, even though they were about to create this whole nother look, you know, in a sense, like all the stuff that had happened in say people that maybe found, uh, music or, you know, being in bands through hardcore had evolved you know what I mean? Or were evolving with, um, you know, much in the same way that I kind of had done with quicksand. So a lot of those guys were fans of quicksand, but they were also fans of other stuff that I wasn't really a part of at all. So, um, I saw in like Thursday and taking back Sunday, uh, in Glassjaw, a lot of these bands, like a, a kinship, uh, 
even though they were younger and they were coming up. So, uh, you know, we, we, we linked up with those guys and when, um, you know, us coming out, uh, I guess in 2001, yeah, just all kinds of things were shifting. It was like such a wild time, you know, especially in New York, you know, with, uh, with uh, 9-11 happening and just everybody just in this sort of freak out mentality, um, which, uh, you know, kind of resonates to this day, you know, <laughs> like with this like fr freaked out mentality that everybody has right now. And it's not for, uh, you know, not without reason, but especially at that time, I think it was sort of like really pull, pull, poured cold water on the on the the good times of the 90s and all that you know what i mean and it was like a new environment completely um and and i think it was an exciting time for music because i think music um you know speaks for the culture a lot of times and it also reflects the the, the culture and um obviously we didn't know 911 was going to happen as we were making this album but that it was released into that kind of atmosphere and especially in New York at all the time of the, all this like really cool creative stuff was happening, um, was exciting. You know, I felt we were kind of in our own lane with it, but I, I do feel like that we were existing in, in that kind of, um, in that universe at a very cool time. Yeah. And I think like one thing that's really interesting to me, I mean, like, like you said, you're only, you're not that much older than those other bands, but like, um, given my age, like, my introduction to this stuff was bands like Thursday and Taking Back Sunday. Um, rival schools were like a contemporary of those bands in my mind at the time right. with, with not having any knowledge of like quicksand or gorilla biscuits. And that came later for me. Um, so like, it was kind of this fascinating thing where it's like, you're this artist who is sort of shaped what's happening now a bit earlier, but then also like a peer and like, not like, you know, I mean, like if I know it's like, I don't know if it's weird talking like directly to you about this stuff, but, you know, it's like there's sort of the uh, the artists who are like, OK, so you influence what's happening now, but you're older you that you happened already. Whereas like rival schools made it so like here you are as a contemporary of artists who are also influenced by quicksand or something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess it, it was uh, it was a special position, you know what I mean, in a way. And um to be both a contemporary and a sort of, you know, uh, not so elder statesman in, 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 you know what I mean? Or, or some, someone that had kind of gone, like these guys were all coming off of like, you know, uh, getting their record deals with like victory records or something like that. Or, uh, you know, some of them were just going to majors ultimately within that time. And so, you know, I had already kind of been through those kind of experiences and, um, but uh, yeah, so I think we existed in that kind of like in those both different realms. So we ha had kind of like fans that were post, you know, when we first came out, it was like, why would you like Rebel Schools? Okay, well, you're either hearing it randomly and you just think it sounds good. Um, or you're a fan of like of, of Quicksand or something like that. You know what I mean? Re related. Those are kind of the two kind of streams. Um so, you know, uh, our context was kind of like, that was the initial thing. I, I definitely felt that within the quicksand community, there would be like a split because quicksand had this sort of like more aggressiveness to it where rival schools was more, uh, melodic and sort of, uh, 
maybe stylistically like more um checking into different kind of realms uh i think it was maybe more similarly to what i had done with civ with the civ record where you're now kind of like checking out little genres and and doing spins on them um so i think that that was like uh and maybe that's why I found it really cool and interesting when we were put on like MTV to some regular way or like played on the radio in some regular way to have people just like that don't really give a shit about hardcore or any of these kind of things to have like take it in on that level. Because obviously like it's very cool for my music to have that little added um, yeah, context of being like, oh, well, this is the guy that did that. Like that's cool because that it, it, it opens people to, to what I'm doing to, to, for that. But it also is like a little bit limiting, you know? So, so because then it's only, it's the guy that did this. Maybe I don't like what that guy did or, or maybe like, I don't like that world of music or, or whatever. All these things are possible, but, but you know, it can, it can cut both ways. So I really appreciate somebody that's just like, I'm just a regular person that is just listening to music. And, um, I like all kinds of different things and, um, well, this, this kind of hits me. And, and, uh, so for me, that was really exciting. And I think, um, I think maybe more so, although I'm feeling that now with quicksand, like we're getting to that point where like just people who like music are hearing it and like it. Um, but prior to that rival schools was really the most chance that I got to do that, to break out a side of like, just sort of like, you know, more genre defined stuff. For sure. And I feel like, I mean, as an artist, like that's like also kind of like in some, to some extent, like the dream for you. Right. I mean, like look at just say someone like Ian Mackay, like he was able to go from minor threat to Fugazi and like change it up and not constantly have to deal with people yelling out, like, you know, like play filler, you know, <laughs> like, and like, so it must to like have a new band doing a new thing and have that work like yeah you know, that's not something some people just spend the rest of their lives having people be like play a song you wrote 30 years ago yeah and 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 i think you know you gotta it's a nice thing when people love your song from 30 years ago it really is it's awesome uh but it doesn't feed your feed you as an artist you know what i mean like you want or, or as a person you want to be contemporary you know, so, um, you know, that's always been my thing. And Ian Mackay is, is, is like, obviously like, um, or I think obviously is like really someone that kind of showed that path to someone like me who was, you know, a fan of his work in hardcore. And like, how do you, how do you work in this like uh, really pretty tight space, you know, artistically? Uh, how do you run through that in a, in a, in a, in a cool creative way? And then, um, and then, then kind of find a new trajectory out and do that in, in a way that like, isn't, um, you know, hardcore full of like, uh, you know, it's like this cliff that all these bands that try to like launch out of it with some new kind of sound and they all just end up in this, like, you know, you know, crappy bottom of a cliff because the fans don't care about it. They won't accept it. So how do you make that move? You know what I mean? And, um, and Ian Mackay did it very gracefully and, and very, uh, you know, artistic, artistically interesting to, to, to me. So uh, that, that's a good model to form. So yeah, but, but I mean, obviously I'm doing my own thing, but um, Rival Schools was 
really a strong pivot in that direction, like where I was at, what I was doing, and the people I was working with as well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you mentioned maybe certain quicksand fans maybe being like, oh, this isn't aggressive enough for me. But I mean, you must have been through that already when quicksand came after Gorilla Biscuits, right? There had to have been Gorilla Biscuits fans who were like, this isn't, yes. you know, hardcore enough, right? Yes. I mean, it kind of, it wasn't that, the cool thing was that with Gorilla Biscuits, I was in a pretty good position because I wasn't the singer of the band. So me coming out with a, a new band wasn't as, uh, there were some people like, oh, this, this is weird or something like that, but it didn't didn't last that long, to be honest. That was, I think that was like one of those things where I always think that an artist is like, it's interesting to, to uh, when they go someplace that's surprising to you, but like uh, you don't know that you want it, that, but then you, then you realize that you do, you know what I mean? Like you point to like, uh, you know, for example, I, I got into this first thing pops in my mind. Like I got into Radiohead kind of like on their second album after a while. And I was like, okay, well shit, you know, this is really, really good. The bends. And then they put out, okay, computer. And it's like, so more in ways challenging and like breaking with the formula that you expected. Like I want to don't leave me high. Don't leave me dry song because it's just so good. Um, but they give you some other shit that you just like, didn't know that you wanted. And that was surprising. Um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm comparing myself to Radiohead, but I do like that arc. You know what I mean? It's, it... yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Radiohead like sort of trajectory is like such a inspirational one to so many people. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I even love Nirvana, even Nirvana, like, you know, from bleach where you're like, I fucking love this. It's dirty. It's like grungy, lo-fi, like it's very clubby. And then they make this like somehow amazing glossy record. And you're like, holy shit, I did not know I wanted this, but I do. And it's, it's great. Mm -hmm. So actually, so you've probably talked about this before, but um, so you, uh, you were like paying attention to Nirvana before Nevermind, I assume. Yes. Yes. I, I got into them. Uh, I was on uh, a tour in, uh, in Europe and someone, uh, this, this French guy, Oh, you must love this band the Nirvana, you know, sub pop was just like bubbling up. And so I was really into bleach. I loved it. So, so how did you like react when you first heard Nevermind, like such a more produced record and then also just like to see it blow up the way it did. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, it was basically someone articulating to me. I thought it was like when I heard teen spirit, I mean, I thought it was like, oh my God, he's like taking, to me, it reminded me of, uh, of Michael Stipe or like REM if they were like mixed with like Louie Louie or something. It was just like super aggressive in a cool way. Um, yeah, just amazing. I mean, I listened to the record. I mean, I mean, the record came out, I bought it the day that it came out and they were playing in New York at this club called the Marquee, which was like, uh. I guess it's kind of like a knitting factory size, maybe a little, a little more or less um, that, that week. So I listened to the album like nonstop, me and my roommates for like a few days, just like, you know, pondering it, how cool it is, blah, 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 blah. And then they played and it was like, just this really cool, amazing show, like insane. I mean, we could get into a longer conversation, but like, yes, it was basically taking something that I thought was like here, and I was totally happy with that. 
and then something that was just like this irresistible force that was pop, you know, somehow. And obviously it redefined pop. Like, uh, you know, I think on Rival School's records, there probably was, and probably on Quicksand records, you know, people are, oh, it's the next Nirvana, or this reminds of Nirvana. You know what I mean? As a sort of a marketing idea. Um, and uh, I think that can only really apply in the idea of trying to take something that's sort of uh, club minded, you know, like scene minded and um, opening that up to the public, like, like taking off the things that would prevent people from liking it, you know, and that can be done like terribly and ruin it, or it can be done in a nice way that respects people's intelligence, that respects people's like, um, just because they're not into, you know, you know, being gay, they're the gatekeeper, you know, they're not into these kind of gatekeeper bands, like that they still doesn't mean they're not stupid, that they can't hear something good when they hear when it's presented to them. And I think that that balance, when it happens, you know, case of Nirvana, um, you know, these sort of like sensational bands, like or when we talked about Radiohead, or even like the Strokes at the, at the time that Rival Schools came out. Um, where you're taking something that's like meant for a club and meant for like uh, small audiences, but 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 uh, opening it up to everybody. It's just like a, a special magic trick that, uh, you know, I think you can aim for it, but, you know, it takes a very a whole bunch of forces coming together and, and, and a real, uh, yeah, I don't know how, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially like on the topic of hardcore, I feel like you could say Turnstile is doing that right now. Yes, they are. Absolutely. To where you're taking something that's like the energy of a club, but opening it up to where it, it, the, the whole world's a club, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that makes people feel like in, you know, uh, and not, uh, there's a sense of discovery to it, even though it's mass, you know, uh, and, and I, I think that that's, uh, yeah, you got to be a really good band and you got to do it at the right time and you got to have the good sense to, you know, there's got to be a lot of little miracles along the way for, for it to happen. But, uh, but you know, uh, that's, that's the goal. You know what I mean? That's what you want. You know, like I, I think I found it in little ways, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in smaller, like doing like my first, record you know like uh like the feeling of like having people hear my go from like we're just like a like gorilla biscuits like a crappy band with a demo that i thought was like we're not the best band here in the scene uh to like putting out a record was like i think this record is really good and then let's see what people think and then it comes back like holy shit you know like that that really works um or uh you know yeah i experienced that with gorilla biscuits with then within the hardcore scene of like doing something that like you know, th th this is just my take on it. I'm not like saying that I, I don't want to blow up anything that I've done in any sort of way. I'm trying, not trying to sell my resume in any way, but just like my own experience of it, of just being like, okay, well, well people like this that are not just into this, this scene, you know what I mean? They, they haven't like, you know, checked all these like boxes of like how to not be a poser or whatever bullshit people are trying to do to you to like, you know, make you authentic or not. It's just like, it speaks to people beyond the genre, you know? And um, yeah, you know, I think 
while Rabbit Schools, the United by Fate album for me was like artistically like taking, you know, stepping out. Like I know if I'm going to sing some sort of like melody or like some lyric that's not like, uh, you know, I became sort of popular in some way for, for a certain kind of thing. Um, you know, at that point it would have been quicksand. Um, and then I was doing something different under a different name. So obviously like it's, you're not giving us the thing we like. So I'm already like a little bit annoyed, you know, some people would take that tack. Other people would be like, Oh my God, thank you so much for giving us this really cool thing. Uh, but it's, I guess that's just baked in. Whereas like the, the finding people that don't really give a crap one way or the other and connecting with them is, is, is the most interesting part of it. And I think rival schools was like my first dose of that. And, you know, it was like, um, I'm not, I wouldn't characterize this as some like brave, heroic journey through art or anything like that. But, you know, there were certain things I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. This is a little bit weird. You know, my, can I get away with, with this? It's, and it was just like a, a moment of growth, you know, which I think anybody could relate to. It's like, you know, do I look funny in this hat, <laughs> you know, or is, do I look cool in this hat? And this is a new presentation or a new way to, uh, will open up a, a different sort of uh, perspective or something, uh, a way of looking at things for me, you know, and I think yeah. do that. That's in a way is that it was like that for me. Yeah. And I think people always, even if it takes a minute, I think people appreciate when an artist that they already like does push them and, you know, is like, Hey, like this might not be what you want at this moment, but you might want it eventually. And like, and it's the artist can steer the listener to be like to open their mind right you know and be, i mean um and i think i mean i think both rival schools and quicksand i mean and even gorilla biscuits to like probably a less like drastic extent like have probably done all of that for like tons of people thank you thank you yeah i mean that's kind of been the goal i mean like you know putting harmonica on a, on a hardcore record like that's not like uh okay computer but in some ways it's like pushing towards that like what if you just what if it doesn't matter if this thing is like hard or, or whatever or if this sound is like you know uh representative of you know this like heavy duty dramatic angst what if it's just kind of a little bit you know like what can you put through what, what can you, you know, even if it's a little bit funny, you know what I mean? Like, and there's, fu there's funny stuff on rival schools, lots of funny lyrics. Um, you know, there's a sense of humor about it. And I always think there's sense of humor in my work, even though maybe, I don't know if it always comes off on the, on the surface of it, but, um, with rival schools, I think a lot of it's there. So another thing I wanted to ask about is one of the bonus tracks on the new reissue is an acoustic version of Holding Sand, which is new, right? You, it's a, you, re, you recently recorded that, I think. Oh, no. I think that's, I, I think that's, I don't know when, what period, but we haven't played together in a very long time. So these shows are going to be like our first times getting in a room. The Holding Sand thing might be from uh, when we were doing pedals. We did like an acoustic session okay. and... Uh, yeah, it just came out really good, actually. And there was a few other songs. I don't. I, we were at a radio station, I think, and uh, and it just came out really good. So no, no that's not new, but um, 
But if that's how it's being presented, maybe I should just backtrack on that. <laughs> yeah, we did it. You know, it's uh, we're doing great work. Uh, you know, it's but I but I like it because Holding Sand was like our kind of like most difficult to present live song. So I think by doing it acoustically, it kind of like was the best way to present it. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So what are you most looking forward to with, you know, the upcoming shows? I think it's just going to be very cool to, uh, the different levels would be just like getting, hanging out with, with, uh, Sam Cash and Ian and like, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to play these songs and all the laughs I, I expect we'll be having and just, uh, and getting that up to shape, which is a fun thing to do, you know, getting like starting from like, okay, I know how to play it to being like, okay, we got this. And, um, and all, all the stuff that goes along with that. And then, you know, when we play the shows, I'm really looking forward to, to, to connecting with all the people that are, that are interested in it, you know what I mean? And, and singing along with them and having, having a time, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, the way my career has worked, you know, I'm in these different bands. So there are these different segments and it's, it's rare that I get the chance to like thread them all. And, um, you know, so the rival schools material, I just haven't played, you know, so I'm kind of excited to like, to, to, to just kind of reconnect with that and, and to, uh, yeah, be around the people that, that are psyched about it. So you haven't practiced with the band yet? No, I haven't, but I, I did a solo show like some months back. And I think I played, uh, I played a rival school. So I played good things which goes over pretty well acoustically. So, you know, I'm touching up a little bit on it. Have you, are you going to have to like, or have you already started to like relearn some of the stuff? Like other songs you're just like, I don't even remember how that one goes. Oof. No, I have not done any work on that front. So, uh, I guess there's just been enough to like, you know, uh, get the package together. Uh, you know, uh, looking at, um, the plans and all that kind of stuff to, 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 to keep me occupied. And I'm kind of like more, the shows are in May. We got time. We'll, we'll get there. And, uh, you know, and Sam is such a great musician and, and cash. I just saw cash, the bass player, uh, out in Salt Lake, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, everybody's chops are, are there and, and just great players. So I know we're going to, we're going to do an awesome version. Awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah. I have no doubt. Yeah. Um, I was on a just kind of similar note. Uh, I was wondering when you look back at songs you wrote like 20 years ago, um, can you immediately get taken back to where you were when you wrote that? Or do you ever hear a song you wrote and you're just like, I wrote that line or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah. Once you get enough distance from it, you know, I have my own set of private critiques you know, that I can, that I probably hold on, you know, like just shit, I wish I'd done that or this blah, 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 blah. And so that's why I don't listen to my records really too much. Um, because I just don't, that's not that fun for me. It's like whatever people think of them and if they enjoy them, like that's, then it's kind of out of me and I, I don't, I don't got to worry about it. But in this one, just listening to it, um, yeah, I'm like more impressed by it, you know, like shit, I was onto something. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I should not have worried as much about it when I was doing it. And I maybe would have, uh, uh, saved myself some grief, you know? Uh, but I really love, um, 
I really love the lyrics on it. I think there's a lot of great lyrics. Um, and uh, I remember the, the, uh, the production of it, and we were talking about Nirvana like earlier, like the production was such a leap. The record I had done before that was uh, Quicksand's uh, Manic Compression. And there was a big space between records for me. It was not, you know, we could do a different podcast about that. It was like sort of a, a time in the uh, the abyss for me a little bit. Um, but uh, we got uh, a guy named Luke Eben to produce the record. And he was, uh, he was in really with the island Def Jam people because he had produced... Um, Bon Jovi's come, which was at the time considered a bit of a comeback record. It's my life, which was like a big, sure. yeah. um, and you know, we were talking to, you know, more the usual suspects, like kind of indie people, um, to do the record, to kind of make it be like kind of cooler indie. And I don't know, the more we kind of got into, it, we we're like, let's just go big. You know what I mean? Rather than trying to aim for indie, like let's be, let's be on a major label actually and use it in that way. And um, which is what I think Nirvana did really. Like they just said, let's, let's go big on this. And, and, um, and then I guess it, it really scared them when it worked. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that was a little bit of our thinking, but then when we were doing it, I got really like anxious about it, to be honest. I was like, this just sounds too good and perfect. You know, it's got to sound shittier. And, um, and I think I had a lot of, uh, yeah, just like sort of like angst about that and, you know, butted heads with, with the producer a fair amount. Um, but I think in, in retrospect, listening to it now, I was like, this is great. It sounds awesome. Like it, it, it's like, uh, it sounds, uh, it doesn't really sound like, you know, like sometimes the records from the eighties, like were like, um, you know, they just sound like of the eighties production, you know what I mean? And it's cool. The records are still great, but it's just like, there's just something about it. And, uh, somehow that recording is like early pro tools and it's still, it sounds, sounds good to me. Like, or, you know, it sounds like kind of like confident, you know? And, um, so I kind of, I think I learned a bit from that. And, and, uh, you know, like with the new quicksand stuff, like I'm not afraid of trying to make it sound good, you know, where prior to that, I would have been like, oh, that's a bit of a sellout. You know, you can't make it sound, you know, too accessible. And, um, you know, so I don't know, that was just like maybe more of a hang up that I had at that time that it helped me to kind of get past. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, um, like on the new quicksand record from last year, like I love that song brushed which uh, I could see someone being like, are they selling out with this? You know, cause it's like sort of a soft song, but also like, I, I remember like tweeting about that song and a lot of people replied and they were like, it reminds me of rival schools. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, there's that sort of through line for sure. Um, but yeah, to your point, like, I mean, I think, you know, United by fate, like it, it managed to like, cause there was a lot of production, I think within the sort of realm of popular punk rock at that time, which was trying to make punk fit on the radio that was like so glossy and like so covered in like auto-tuned and pitch like perfection and stuff that now it just sounds like the way that 80s records can sound. Yeah. But And then on the other end, there were like records that were like so raw and punk that now they just kind of sound like shit and they sound like 2001 because 
they were just like, oh, this sounds like prior to everyone being able to record well in their homes. Yes. Um, so you, I feel like you just nailed that balance in between where it's like clean and well-produced, but also like a bit timeless and not really like catering to like very specific trends of a certain era. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, uh, and, and thank you. Um, yeah. And I gave, I gave Luke Evan a real hard time. And I think that maybe like that, that kind of tension, like created that, that, you know, him pushing one way and me pushing the other way, like maybe found that balance. Uh, but I think he did a great job. Ultimately, I'm grateful to him, even though like at certain times I was like, fought him on certain things like uh so you know we got the bon jovi producer and, I, and it kind of that was a bit of a of a, a curveball for us like oh let's just you know let's be wild like that and the record label was psyched because the record label wanted us to have a you know at that time island records they weren't doing this like nirvana like let's see what sells bullshit anymore like they wanted to have records that had commercial viability so us having a record that uh, that they were psyched about too, and taking that direction was also uh, was also good that they could get behind it. And like anyway, as soon as the record was finished, that those issues really didn't matter. You know what I mean? But I, I do think it was part of the success that people that it sounded it sounded good. Yeah, helps. I, I think it's like a fascinating thing with like basically any. I I feel like you know you take any kind of offshoot of punk and you clean it up a little bit and you find it can do really well like and it's just interesting because it's this music that's like can be so niche and you know it's so important to so many people and can be like such a turnoff to so many other people and then you just make like a couple little you know edges rounder and here's a huge band yeah i mean i think it's kind of the paradox of punk really like when when you when you think about it it's like part of if everybody likes punk, then it's not punk anymore. So you have to make it be bad in a way to alienate the people that could potentially like it. And then every once in a while, someone will like pull a fast one and get both, you know, where, you know, uh, to some degree, you know, like Green Day snuck in there and like, we're punk, but the shit sounds like anybody could like it. You know what I mean? Um, and so like the desire... And I think if you listen to the Rival Schools album, the United by Fate record, in my guitar playing, although Ian does a lot of like really beautiful kind of affected delay kind of work, um, my guitar is very plain and, uh, and, and very like no effects, kind of like approved mistakes, uh, you know, to, to give a little of that in a subtle way, that sort of authenticity. But I think that is the, that's sort of the rub, you know what I mean? Like if you make it sound too good, then it's not, no longer has edge. But if you make it too edgy, then you're like kind of, um, it's, it can be a race to the bottom, you know? Yeah. Um, and I always just kind of like, as a fan of that music, like sometimes I'm, my mind is just blown about like what tends to catch on outside of that world, you know? Like I'll be like, wait, like, you know, you guys all love Turnstile, for example, like, but there's so many other great bands that are like kind of similar. And it's just like, you'll show it to someone and they're just like, no, this doesn't do like, it doesn't do it for me. It just sounds too something. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I feel like, like if you're in it, your ears are just different than yep. like, and then when you're not in it, like, I'm always so curious, like, what is it that you all hear in like, this isn't a diss, but like, what do like non punk fans hear in my chemical romance that like makes them 
this massive arena band, but that you don't hear in like a band who might seem kind of similar to like someone, you know, who's more in it. Anyway, yeah. just kind of rambling here, but. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's like, that's the part of, you know, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with context, you know, it's like, okay, I hear that, um, you know, uh, I like the, I like Led Zeppelin. I hear that they're into this early blues stuff. So I should probably like that. But then I listen to this early blue stuff. The first time I listened to it, I, was like, I don't know, the recording sound crappy. I don't get it. You know what I mean? It's like just because something sets something up doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily like it straight away in the same. Or even like I'm sure there's bands that like are kind of in turnstiles wake right now that, uh, you know, may or may not benefit from from what they're doing or we might not see that for another year or so to like what is the impact on the general people's listening that um okay well now they like turnstile now they're willing to like x y and z you know what i mean i I think it's too soon to say like what what that impact is um i would love to see turnstile do another awesome record like they just did to to really put that to the test because uh i think a lot of you know, cool bands would probably benefit from that, from that success. Just like, you know, we were talking about Nirvana when Nirvana came out, like quicksand doesn't sound anything like Nirvana, but the idea of doing something like that allowed us to get a bigger audience. It just happened that way. Um, so, uh, you know, I would like to see that happen, especially cause I think turnstile they're friends and I just think they're, they're cool like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean like a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, even the last time that we sort of spoke for something like this was the Vans shows. Yeah. Um, and we were talking a lot about the current hardcore scene. I mean, the current hardcore scene is like a lot bigger now than it was when we were talking a year ago. For sure. Um, and I mean, and it's not just Turnstile. I mean, it's like, look at like Sound and Fury Festival had like 5,000 people watching these hardcore bands. And I think people were calling it like, the biggest hardcore festival that America has ever had. And I don't, I haven't fact checked that, but I believe it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, I mean, you know, not to, not to give the credit just to one band, but it really does feel like is like hardcore bigger now than it's ever been, or at least like, you know, since maybe the, maybe since the eighties, but I mean, you would know better than me. Um, it's like a different, taking a different shape. I think in the eighties, you know, hardcore would be like, circle jerks having a cool song like uh or 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 like suicidal tendencies having uh institutionalized or uh dead kennedys having holiday in cambodia you know these sort of like almost like um novelty tracks you know or like garage rock novelty tracks especially like when i think of of dead Kennedys where they were funny, you know what I mean? And cool and catchy, like institutionalized is funny and cool and catchy. Like I was saying institutionalized that you probably might not know the song, but like, it's like almost like the perfect companion piece to, um, moon unit and Frank Zappa's, uh, Valley girl. They're almost like, like institutionalized could have been a, a top 40 hit, you know, it, it, it's that good. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Turnstile have a song that catchy is institutionalized, but that would be like hardcore of that time was like a little bit more uh, these sort of funny kind of uh, 
catchy songs um, that had a pop element to them. Whereas now I think it's more um, because the, the culture and the idea of DIY has like had such a, you know, long period of, you know, to gesticulate and develop and like, you know, generationally like become accepted as a sort of ideology. Now, yeah, there's 5,000 people at that festival, which is incredible, but it's because of like all the bands and it's just selling the idea of a hardcore fest. It's not like because one band is particularly popular. It seems to me, although there are bands that are more popular than the other ones, but you know, like say Turnstile, I, I, I'm following their, their progress, but like, you know, they play their own show eight, you know, I think they played in New York, for like 8,000 people, 6,000 people. I think, yeah, okay. it was, I was but, there. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's not a hardcore fest. That's just like a band that's popular. Right. I mean, they're, they're certainly on a different level than every other hardcore band as far as popularity. Yeah. Like they, um, they've usurped the whole genre. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, does that make hardcore more, I think it's, you know, I think the one cool thing about, about hardcore is like that it's never been pop. Like I tried to do that with Civ, like we got on MTV and did all this kind of cool stuff, but it didn't like break the genre. Like, and I think that's part of why hardcore kind of has like if hardcore was like actually popular it kind of sucks some of the the cool out of it for a lot of people you know what i mean but it's like it's almost there in some ways like i i don't know you know it's just hard to conceive you know like even ska was popular for a while you know um but hardcore never made it and then when they say it's hardcore i'm sure people will say like oh yeah well turnstile has hardcore inflections but they're not there, what's what's cool about Turnstile is, is the that's the almost like the smallest part of it. It's like it's like there's a songwriting behind it that's really great. There's an energy within it, the, the combination of players. There's the way that it's being presented to you, uh, you know, through whatever their their live show, through their the the, the imagery that they choose, the 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 just the time and place of it all. Like I'm not being sold hardcore. I'm being sold something that like is, is, uh, has wider potential than that. And so I think that could be really cool on, um, as a sort of influence to the scene. And I think if, if more bands are doing it, you know, I see so many bands, you know, through our, through our shows, you know, seeing anxious or, or, or uh, you know, one step closer, or a lot of the bands I had in the show, whether it's, you know, mind force or gel or, uh, you know, so many like bands that I see doing really well right now um, that, the, that the, the audience has grown for them to like, to, to, to like people that are interested in what those bands are doing is it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's just great because it's still basically like make up your own shit. You don't have to be good at it and just get a show and play. And like, if you want to be like some huge rock star, don't hold your breath but you could have a fucking awesome time with your friends and uh, and get all the cool experiences of being in a band without all the bullshit of it. You know, I mean, you'll get still get the bullshit. People will argue and things won't work out and their bands will break up ultimately. Of course, you'll get that part too, but, um, but you'll get to experience it, that it's there for you. And it's very, um, I think that's the most beautiful thing about it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think... Uh you know, to your point about like with Sound and Fury, it wasn't like a big headliner or two. It was like selling the idea of a hardcore festival in a way like that's such a beautiful thing. It is. It was like, because it almost wasn't about who's playing. It was like, I know it's going to rule. 
I know all the bands are going to be great. Even the ones I haven't heard of, I'm going to like, it felt like I didn't go, but I like watched a lot of videos and listened to podcasts about it and stuff. And the vibe I get is like, it was people who were really open-minded to having a great time and like trusted that they were going to have a great time just because it was a hardcore festival booked by people who get it. And almost all the bands are like, all the bands really are amazing. And it was just like, it, it was, it felt like the scene hardcore was the appeal, not any particular band. And that's like, just awesome. Absolutely. And, and that's, I love it. It's just a very, I mean, egalitarian isn't the right word, but you're just being like, so many things are being jammed in your face all the time, constantly in, in our lives, you know, like, you know, be into this, buy this, get blah, 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 blah. And here's this thing that's just like, you know, for us, by us, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like, we're not trying to like sell you on one thing. No, one, it's just like the whole movement is like this sort of like organic uh, idea where people are like being, f working with each other and not trying to like, there's not, not this like profit motive aspect of it. And um or if that is your motivation, you're, it's pretty dumb because it's not going to work out um, built into it. And I think, you know, just like our culture is such a, you know, of course, there's like awesome stuff and people got to do what they got to do. But it's just really a lot of it's just like really neurotic and shitty. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say. And like to see people just doing their thing. Uh, in front of a bunch of people and where the mode is just like, let's, let's embrace this. This is like all of us, I think is, is, a, is a really, it's, it makes sense that people would be attracted to that. For sure. So on a related note, I think the next thing up for you is some youth of today shows, right? Yeah. Uh, are you excited about those? I am. I find it like uh, the, we just played in, in Europe uh, over the summer and I just had such a goddamn fun time. Like we, the band was, we were so good. Um, and we just had so much fun together. So, and we did just like really nice, like fun, really cool shows, um, you know, with great opening bands and uh, got to travel in, in, you know, we played a castle in Italy, just like these kind of things that just like, uh, just amazing really to me and, and, and the love that people have for, for youth today, but it's also the love for like this whole ideal, you know what I mean? And especially with youth today, I think it's like, uh, in a motivation for, you know, I, I always think what I, what attracted me to youth today was like, we can be better, you know, we can, we can, we can be better people. We can be a better society. Um, and med meditating on that, which was, I think, a new idea for hardcore and like really kind of like slogans and all the all the kind of like um, kind of like uh, proto branding of it, you know, even though it was like not it wasn't like now we all understand branding and repetition and, you know, how to make a cool T-shirt and all this kind of stuff. We, we can we can understand that in a very. Um, kind of school kind of way. But back then it wasn't, it was just fucking kids doing the shit and it was just happening. So to see that still resonate and to be a part of it and just, it's amazing. Um, and, and I, especially I think Ray is such a special, um, he's it's an incredible front man. I mean, it, it, it's really like hard to 
communicate or hard to, to, to say like what he was, especially like when he first came to New York, like he was the only guy, he's giving these goddamn Martin Luther King speeches to like kids and CBGBs that have, are all coming from fucked up backgrounds uh, or, or they're coming from like the suburbs and have good backgrounds, but need to hear this shit. And uh, you know, he never backs down, never backed down from like, you know, racism, the, the people that, that were like, he was never afraid of these people and would go straight. And I, I'd, I'd be fucking afraid. Cause he'd be saying some shit in front of like Nazis where we could get our asses kicked afterwards, but he never shied away from it. And it was so, uh, awesome to be a part of that. And I, and I love it. Long speech. Yes. I'm excited <laughs> for the shows. I'm going to Japan with quicksand right before that though. So I, I kind of okay. tend to not get too riled up until it's like really happening. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Ray's lyrics like resonate these past few very wild years, yeah. you know, like with like a lot of the stuff he was saying over 30 years ago, is like still very, very sadly, very applicable today. Well, sure. I mean, you know, Break Down the Walls is like, honestly, like one of the best songs about how to, you know, just this, this sort of uh, otherism, the you know, racism and like that we're so 100% deep in, like constantly being propagandized into to, to like feeling these like harsh uh, reactionary have these reactionary views to like uh, you know we're just being manipulated on such a uh, on, uh, such a level and that Ray when he was like eighteen or nineteen or something years old was drawing from Martin Luther King and and you know uh, and doing it so goddamn effectively making this sick mosh basically entire mosh song like there's no like fast part but the lyrics are just like so important so. I, I, I kind of like, I'm a big time, uh, I guess what you say is I'm a big stand for him or <laughs> I'm standing, standing hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, you know, and he, he wasn't coming up with these like deep philosophical, uh, points like out of thin air. He was like, you know, he was interested in this stuff and, um, and, and brought it into hardcore music, which was desperate, I think at that time, especially desperately in need of a message and, um, and a positive message. Yeah. Um, and I also think what's great about you today is I'm looking at these upcoming shows that you're doing in the US, and the opening bands are like a lot of young bands, like Combust, End It, Gel. Um, and it, I think it's, it's so cool how like youth of today can bring those bands out and they're probably going to be like younger people in the audience for those openers who get exposed to youth of today and older people who are there for youth today who get to see hardcores alive. And I think it's really cool that like, this is a band who can pull that off because not every band can. Yeah. It's the beauty of it really like that. The multi-generational aspect of it, it makes me feel like, yeah, this is a tribe. This is a family. This is like um, a movement. Uh, this is a force for good you know, and that, that it reaches down and, and makes sense in that, in that way. And, uh, so I'm really proud to be a, a part of it. And, 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 uh, and it's so easy for me. I'm, I'm like, I play bass and just jump around the whole time. So like, it's not like, I don't have to give any cool speeches. I don't have to like, even, uh, 
you know, of all my, uh, you know, kind of different bands and different jobs within them, uh, the one in youth today has a very, holds a very special place for me. Awesome. Uh, speaking of opening bands, are, are you allowed to say anything about uh, what your thoughts might be for rival school openers? Um, we've had some discussions about it. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of interesting bands, but of course we want to bring young bands around, you know, because, uh, I, I think for the reasons that you just said, you know what I mean? Like what, and also being on run for cover where I think the run for cover is like, uh, it's not like a reissue label. They're, they're, they're uh right on what's happening and and t- and taking and and also as a re- record label should um bringing things to you that you didn't know you wanted you know what i mean and uh so i i think that that's what we would yeah i th- i think you know artists like has been around as long as i have like that's everything you know what i mean you want to be part of the uh you need to be a part of the conversation that's going like on right now and that means like bringing people up that support the scene. You know what I mean? That's like, you know, uh, you know, even when quicksand came back, the band that, we, you know, right away, I was like, we got to have title fight open for us. Like that's what's, that's where that's the thread between what this was to what it, it is and what, what its significance is. So I think there's a lot of great bands. We're going to make sure that it's, it's a really good bill. Awesome. Um, and, uh, lastly, uh, are Gorilla Biscuits up to anything? Um, we are kind of, uh, we've been taking a break, but we are, you know, we're cooking up something, but we like to, you know, I, I always try to be, um, ha- uh, you, you just throw something out and surprise people, you know, but, uh, but it's been nice to, 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 um, you know, over COVID take a break and kind of let the world just kind of like, there's so many bands on tour right now. It's like insane. So uh, it's been nice to, to get a break from it and come back at it fresh because, you know, um, it, it, it makes it all the sweeter. So, uh, you know, and for me, you know, not having been able to play for a couple of few years was also just in general, not bad at all. Really, like I, I enjoyed being in one place. And, you know, as you and I were doing the Vans thing, like that was enough wild fun for me, you know, like where the bands were coming to me. It was really a nice a nice uh, change. Um, but, you know, now things that are kind of like, I mean, obviously people are still, you know, uh, have have good reason to be afraid of COVID or, or, or not be afraid, but to be ca- cautious of it, you know, and, and, and all that. It does seem that like we're kind of just as a society a little bit like, all right, let's let's just move on from that a little bit. And, For sure. Uh, so I think just having that that sort of like anxiety, especially with hardcore, because it's all just people climbing over everybody. Yeah. Like it just kind of didn't feel like the kind of ultimate COVID music for me. Um, you know, but I think now it's kind of like, it's obviously different with friggin' everybody seems to be climbing over everybody with Turnstile and, and you know, uh, Sound and Fury or whatever. So I, I think it's just like, let's go. Definitely. I mean, I remember like, when shows first came back being very hesitant and like, Oh, I, I better only go to shows that won't be too crowded and people won't really want to mosh. And then eventually you're just like, I'm going to just go back to the shows where people mosh. It's going to be fine. Yeah. So, so far it's been mainly fine, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, 
I think it's still good to be cautious and everyone should, should, should like, don't put themselves in a situation where they're not going to have fun because they're ex- having anxiety about something. But, um, you know, for me personally, I'm feeling, uh, I personally am not going to be crawling over everybody and stage diving or moshing. I will not, that's not my role anymore. But, uh, but I do, uh, think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like gotten a little bit less, uh, stressful and for, for most people. For sure. And actually, one more question. Yeah. Uh, so something you've got coming up is you're playing a, a Hootsker Do tribute show in Brooklyn. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, uh, I assume you must be a big Hootsker Do fan. Um, yeah. Oh, I love Hootsker Do. I, one of the first shows I saw was, uh, I was probably, I mean, I must have been 16 to get in, but I don't know, maybe I had a fake ID. But um, I saw Hootsker Do at Irving Plaza on new day rising and i was blown away and then i met uh greg norton after the show and like just like talked to greg norton and i was just like my mind was so melted by that like that i'm talking to the guy in the band and he's talking to me and i've seen this guy's picture on the record and now i'm just like having a con it was so mind-blowing and they were so good and uh such an interesting, uh, I was just, you know, big, big fan. I, you know, had, had all their records and, um, you know, they, they, uh, they definitely, uh, hold a special place, you know, in, in terms of like taking this, like, cause some of their stuff is like really shitty sounding and kind of hard for me to rock to like land speed record. Didn't do it for me. It was new D new day rising. And then I went back and got into Zen arcade and, um, and I was very on. T- I saw them in Candy Apple Gray and on um, uh, Flip Your Wig was amazing. So I mean, makes no sense is like one of the best songs of of just put it in any jukebox. Any t- you could make a 1960s production version of it, and it would work in the 1960s for like Paul Revere and the Raiders, or you know, it work. And it, it's just a classic song, and uh, I think Bob Mould has and Husker Du in general probably have like a solid uh, five to 10 of those, you know, hits kind of like the cure in a way, like the cure have these like super tight hits. And then they have all this expansive stuff that is like, um, you know, for the heads. And I think that Husker do are kind of like that. Totally. I, I definitely could nerd out about what you just said about the cure for the next hour, but instead <laughs> of doing, instead of doing that, um, <laughs> We better wrap up. You have anything else you want to add before we go? Uh, just nice to see you, Andrew, and uh, and and very excited for uh, that people. You know, I'm excited for the excitement and uh, and and looking forward to the shows and you know playing New York again with with rival schools and, and LA and, and playing in Europe. It's just like it, it, it's really uh, I'm super excited and grateful for the for the whole thing being set up like it is. So very very uh very psyched awesome well thanks so much walter yeah pleasure take care man hey thanks for listening thanks again so much to walter if you can go check out those youth today shows that are happening this month uh the rival school shows are next year you can also pick up tons of records tapes and t-shirts from walter's multiple bands in our online store shop.brooklynvegan.com and stay tuned for whatever walter has coming next because there's always something Also, stay tuned for our next episode. See you next time.